You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the next uh, Mountain West Basketball Preview Podcast. We're talking UNLV Running Rebels. You like that? Running Rebels, as I say it that way as an announcer, Running Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> Running there Rebels. Eli Bedker there, Jeremy Moss here. Check us out at <laughs> mwr.com. We have our new digs up by the time you hear this, so thank you for stopping by and looking at that stuff. So, yeah, it's looking pretty good, right? It is looking good. I like the layout. I like all the contributions that have already been made. So if you're a fan of any of the Mountain West teams, which you probably are listening to this podcast, so. you should go check it out. And also, one, note, <laughs> one, one key note is that now – Yes, we're college football news, which is a little awkward for basketball. But now, if you want just basketball news, you can you can subscribe to our basketball page, or if you want just as we're doing this show UNLV, you can just subscribe to UNLV stuff. It'll be a mix of football and hoops on there, but there's just a page for every team now where it's easy to navigate and easy to find and get only Rebel stuff if that's all you want, right? Sounds pretty good. To me. All right, so that's what we're doing. That's what we got for uh, this week's show. We're gonna talk UNLV basketball, and they're a suffice to say a hot topic team. Definitely. Yeah, they're. I would say they're clearly the most talked about team in the Mountain West this year. And people, um, we don't need to go into UNLV fans per se, but <laughs> their expectations are always high. That's the main That's the main thing we're doing that for this uh, particular game or this team, right? They're always, uh, they want to be, they think they're better than they are most years, right? I think for a program like UNLV, it's reasonable to have high expectations because the Rebels consistently out-recruit everyone else in the league, regardless of who's the head coach, and now it's Menzies, and he's gathering in good talent. And they, they play in an attractive city like Las Vegas, and a lot of recruits, that they find that city interesting. They want to go and play for their hometown crowd. So it makes sense why UNLV is an attractive place to play and why there are usually considerable expectations year in and year out. So but this year, the media predicted them sixth, with some dummy giving a first-place vote. And I, I'm going to call. I'm yeah, going to call them a. We're not that high. Do you know who that is? Have we figured that out yet? Uh, I don't know who it is, but it's that's uh, that's probably what we would classify as a stupid upset pig. I think it's more than that, but yeah, you're right on there. It's I, it's got to be somebody from Las <laughs> Vegas, right? Uh, I'd hope so, or maybe someone that. Yeah, I'm curious who it is. I don't know if uh, anyone will say who it was until after the season's over. But if that person's right, that's going to be quite the. The old take re- exposed retweet that that person oh. receives because that would be a darn good. I've take. been part of old takes exposed before for being incorrect. So, <laughs> ooh, I haven't I haven't quite reached that that level of um, credential yet. <laughs> I got the blue check mark maybe, but no, I said yeah, I, I, I send him stuff all the time, and so we follow each other on Twitter, and I just kind of hey, look at this one, especially when it um, BYU's a a, ba- a bastion for a uh, hot take, old take. Sorry, my autoplay video old take exposure sorry i'm like a jackhammer going off my background one of these auto videos <laughs> but yeah if they're right sure but it's still it's still not gonna happen they're not gonna win the conference because like we're not to talk bad about them but there's expectations it's um new new staff um or not UNLV, but last year there was but look what happened last year new staff trying new players coming in a lot of new transfers stay tied with freaking air force come on 
Yeah, worst season in program history. Um, so they're definitely trending upward because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to trend upward from your worst season program history. But they do that by adding one of the best recruiting classes in quite some time. And we'll obviously spend some time talking about Brandon McCoy, but it extends further than, than just the five-star. They have a handful of nice freshmen and also some Juco transfers coming in. So it's understandable why there are a lot of people talking about this team because you have new pieces and, and hopefully some solid continuity coming in that can lead this team at least to the middle of the pack of the conference. So, yeah, with this, like we've mentioned before, if you're here, we have a few more shows after this, but there's a hierarchy like Nevada is at the top. And I guess even after them, are they, they're the clear cut, but who would, like we mentioned San Diego state, they're probably second, but even then, are they really that close? I mean, I, I pretty much have Nevada as the first here. I think everyone agrees that they're the front runner. Then you have, at least for me, a mix of Boise State, Fresno State, and San Diego State, which you can put anywhere, just wherever you want on a given basis. And I, I debate between who my second, third, and fourth place teams are just about every day, so it's hard for me to tell. So I think UNLV falls into that third-tier category with uh, likes of Colorado State or Wyoming and um, maybe Utah State's in that other uh, tier then you have the bottom tier, which which we're uh, familiar with, with New Mexico and Air Force and San Jose State. But I think there are definite tiers for this year's conference, and there usually are, but I think UNLV will be pleased to get out of the cellar-dweller spot like they were last season. Yeah, I'm thinking, um, like, whether that's fine, like, I can see, like, if they're going to overachieve, I think fourth is probably the highest I'd, the ceiling I'd put them would be fourth place. I don't see them getting better than that. I, yeah, I would say either third or fourth. Third's probably a reach. I think fourth is reasonable. They're definitely not going to be worse than eighth. I don't. I don't think that they'll be worse than that. No. Um, so middle of the pack seems about right for a team that adds a number of players. They do return a, a few solid guys. Um, not a great returning class, but they also have some some nice transfers coming in. So it, it's about what most would probably expect for a team that has the, the roster that they do. And yeah, guys like Chris Clyburn, Clyburn will finally get not just tossed out there to say, hey, go play and do good. He actually has the year under his belt to do something special. Mm-hmm. Guys like Joven or Joven Maureen, who is a what, former D2 player of the year, Juco level. So they have guys coming in. Like you have uh, – who's the other tri- the br- recruit that came in? Um, shoot, uh, Bryce they Hamilton. All, I guess some- Bryce Hamilton's pretty good. Yeah, he he's uh he's not eligible until twenty eighteen, oh, so he's a class of twenty eighteen. Um, I apologize, folks. No, that no, that's all right. That was just a recent commit. I guess the most important player, at least what I've been saying in terms of one of the most important players, is Jordan Johnson, who's transferring from Milwaukee, and he finished in the top five in assists per game in twenty fifteen sixteen. So he's a great distributor, and he should be able to average more than ten points per game. So I think now that he's in a more talented space with, with five stars and four stars. It's, I mean, Milwaukee and UNLV are probably about as good as one another the last handful of seasons, but Rebels have more talent than Milwaukee does, and I think Johnson will do better in this offense than, than what he did with Milwaukee, and what he did with Milwaukee was also impressive. So what do you know about guys? Like, I'm looking at the 24-7 recruits for the correct year. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, they have um, um, Shakur Justin, the guy from Hutchinson, Kansas, Four-star commit. Is he anything special? Was he that Juco player of the year that signed with uh, Rebels? I for- I'm getting these guys mixed up. Yeah, yeah, he, yes. Maybe he that's is. who I was thinking um, of, not Hamilton, but this guy who was a Juco player yeah, of the I, year. I th- 
power forward. Yeah, Justin's a really solid player. He's going to be probably an immediate starter for this team, I would imagine. And I've read and, and heard some great things about him, especially in terms of doing the little things for UNLV, which is going to be really nice when you have some talented pieces like Brandon McCoy and Jordan Johnson and Jovan Mooring. So what makes Justin so special is how well he rebounds. And from the guys that have coached him and watched him, expect him to probably average somewhere around 10 rebounds a game this year. They think that he's one of the top rebounders, even though he has yet to play at the D1 level. He just has a knack for getting on the glass and picking up any loose balls. And I don't think he's he's a great shooter yet. He's not going to be much of a jump shooter. He attacks the basket more so. But in terms of getting on the boards and getting those extra possessions for UNLV, which which I think is huge because this is a team that shot the ball very poorly last year. I want to say they were in the bottom 20 in effective field goal percentage. Any extra possession they can get is huge, and now that they've added Juicen, I think they can add four or five possessions a game and get just a few additional opportunities to score. That's going to be huge for them. And really quick with what he can do, look at what he did at the Juco level. I know it's way different like who you're playing in competition, but 17 and 12, and he does everything. Four assists, almost two blocks a game, still in a half, shot 61% from the field. So you're right, so maybe he'll play defensive presence with, what, three turnovers allowed per game on his end, a couple of assists if he gets in the post a little bit because he's a power forward. I know you got McCoy down there, but maybe that could be something where I haven't seen the play because their last game wasn't streamed or anything, but if they have McCoy and him, maybe like a high-low post of some sort a little bit where you can get more pass involved, people cutting through. That could be a potential move offensively. So they have, but here's the thing: he's a new guy. He has two years of eligibility. It's still a big jump from JUCO. I don't care if he's the number one guy, but twenty four seven JUCO, it's still a big jump to basketball. In this, I don't know. It's like it's not a guarantee he'll be great, but mm-hmm. I know when it, I know football is different than basketball. But like the top JUCO guys in football usually aren't that great, but basketball is a bit different for the most part. So you got him, and mm-hmm. maybe I don't know if he's going to start or anything, but he there's high expectation. Like these guys coming in to. Four-star guys, they got that with Cheke uh, Diong as well. If he's supposed to do something out of Australia there, they have three guys in this class that are really good. And hopefully last year they learned a lot from just being tossed out there and having to play because of everybody was so new. And Menzies is a good coach. He, New Mexico State, look what he's done. He left talent there for Paul Ware to have a good year in New Mexico State. He knows how to coach, and I believe we both agree he's better than what Dave Rice is doing, at least in the X's and O's part, I think. Definitely, yeah. And I think one more thing to note on Juicin is that uh, at least just the little bits that I heard is Hutchison Community College, and I'm not going to pretend for a second like I know anything about JUCO basketball besides the top 100 rankings that you and I see, but it sounds like Hutchison Community College is one of the top JUCO programs in the country. I think they have won a championship or multiple championships the last handful of years. So even though it's a JUCO team, he's, he's played at the highest possible level uh, in junior college, and he's excelled to say the least. So, Justin's ready to go, and I believe the Athletic picked him up as one of the one of their top five uh, all MWC first teamers. So that's mm-hmm. impressive for a JUCO transfer. So, a uh, lot of accolades coming in, and he should be a pretty solid player. Wait, really quick, like look who was going after him: Iowa State, Illinois, Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, UConn, uh, Seton Hall, VCU. A lot of decent teams going after him. So, mm-hmm. all right. So with the Rebels, like who's who's going to be their best player? It's, it's hard to say. I think Juice might be in the mix. McCoy is obviously a really good pick as a former five-star. I usually tend to lean with the returning players, and I think Jovan Mooring is their best returning player. 
and he's he hasn't been very efficient from the field. He only shot 37% last year, but he did get 12.6 points per game, so that so that helps out for a UNLV offense that struggled mightily throughout the year. But he's had his moments, and I think he's going to have to step into a bigger role, even with these incomers coming in, uh, just because I mean. And you, and you can count on maybe one or two teams like Duke or Kentucky winning with freshmen or newcomers every year. And Marvin Menzies, although he's a solid coach, he, he's not Calipari and he's definitely not Mike Krzyzewski. So you have to lean on some of your most experienced players. And and as of right now, Jovan Maureen is one of those most experienced players. So I think he and Jordan Johnson, who's the senior Milwaukee transfer will probably be their most important players on the offensive side. Okay, just a real quick from the uh, exhibition they had the other day. Um, Justin did lead him in scoring with, I know it was Alaska Fairbanks, but we have games actually happen. 24 points, 9 of 11 shooting, <laughs> which is good. Morin 16, uh, Johnson 15. And then also McCoy sat out. Not too much of a surprise. He warmed up with a little bit of bum ankle. But he's probably, I believe he's expected to play the opener next week. I don't think that's uh, any issue. Eight day, I guess uh, they play Florida A&M on November 10th, so you should, that's about a week away from when you're hearing this. So you don't want to trip over ankle because ankles, if you're a big guy getting rebounds, it's you could easily be twisted and be out for a month. Yeah, you might as well not mess around with that. And I think whether McCoy plays or not, they should be just fine in their opener. I think what's most, most important for UNLV, and, and we'll get into their schedule, is Make sure everyone's healthy and, and shows up for those Northern Iowa and Arizona matchups. And I don't think you expect them to win both of them. Obviously, you don't expect them to win both of them. And if, if they can show up against Northern Iowa and be competitive against Arizona, I think that'll say a lot about UNLV moving forward. But you want to have everyone healthy for the start of the season, so I think it's probably wiser that you don't start your five-star against Alaska Fairbanks in an exhibition. Exactly. All right, so let's get to the schedule now here. We'll get to what Rebels are up to. They typically have a pretty good schedule because they can get teams to come to town because they're UNLV, right? They have a name from themselves for what they've been doing. They had Duke last year, not at Thomas and Mac, but they came to a T-Mobile Arena this year. It's okay. Um, oh, man, I clicked the wrong link for the schedule. But they have Florida A&M, Prairie View A&M, Eastern Michigan, Washington. They get Utah, which should be pretty good, you would think. Utah are usually a decent team in the Pac-12. I, I have I'm looking for it right now. This is one of the weaker UNLV schedules that we've seen in quite a while. Mm -hmm. And there has been a lot of talk on, I mean, obviously the fans aren't too happy with that because, I mean, they pay for season tickets. They want to see quality teams come in. I apologize. The, I think, uh, sorry, I was looking at the schedule from the Las yeah, Vegas Sun. They had Utah on there. Utah's not on the schedule. I don't know what they're doing. They had a mix of match hmm. with different oh, teams. Oh, I see. I I see why Utah would be on the schedule. They, they're playing in the MGM Resorts main event at T-Mobile Arena. And they have first round matchup against Rice, and then second round matchup is either with Ole Miss or Utah, and then they play uh, Southern okay. Utah three days after. So, okay, I'm so like, they'll play their fair share of Utah teams. Okay, so yeah, Utah's decent. Pac-12, they're losing a couple guys like Kyle mm -hmm. Kuzma and stuff, but uh, if they play them, that helps your schedule because Utah's in Pac-12. I guess either Ole Miss or Utah. I don't know who would be considered really better at this time of the year, but it's still better than playing like a low level team in that tournament for a game two. Like another Rice team, yeah, I would like think another so. CUSA team or something. So like UTEP or mm -hmm. Southern yeah. Miss or something. But it, you're right; it is a weaker schedule. Like their best game, clearly Arizona, and then um, what Arizona, Illinois, and then maybe Utah, Southern Ole Miss. That's about it, right? Really? Yeah, and a lot of people weren't thrilled about the schedule, and I I see why. But I think what's more important for UNLV going forward is 
picking up wins and looking good, playing well against some of these lower-level teams just to get some momentum, some experience under your belt because, like we said, the more than half of their roster is newcomers this season, so it does take some time to gel, and if they can handle the games that they should and at least look competitive or have some bright spots against the likes of Illinois or Northern Iowa and Arizona and Utah, teams like that, then I think that will help build some momentum and some, some positive vibes for the Rebels moving forward. And coming off an 11-win season, I think that's what you're looking for. All right, so really quick, let's go to the Arizona game really quick because there's some, if you've been living on a rock, there's been some major college basketball news the past month with the uh, all the FBI sanctions or whatever has been going on, arrest, uh, coaches getting fired, Rick Pitino, players being ruled ineligible over at Auburn or taken out. Sorry about that. Another pop-up video. Ding, you website. Sorry. <laughs> Samuel Jackson, get out of my face. But oh, <laughs> him shilling for Capital One. So Arizona has one player that's uh, named in there for uh, Book Richardson, correct? Yes, that's yeah, one but of their assistants. That's, that's oh, listed. sorry. Isn't there a player as well, I believe, not just the assistant coach? I thought – I Maybe I read that wrong. I believe they have one player that is listed – um, rather unofficially, I believe, with Arizona. Now I'm getting one of those pop-up ads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's I think Javon Quinterly, who is a 2018 commit, was one that was mentioned. I don't think any active player on their roster is directly tied to any FBI scandal right now. So um, any player that is, I believe, is 2018 commit or. Uh, Signy or later. I thought I heard something listening to CBS podcast recently say talking about this player's injury might not shoot up and teams are what? proactive or not being proactive if players get sit or not. So I thought there was the Arizona guy in that the case, but I guess not. So it. But with that being said, we have seen a number of teams the last few days rule players ineligible for the start of the season. So um, I think Georgia's are, they've already listed two of their top players ineligible for the season and. And we don't know whether those are direct ties to the FBI, even though Auburn was listed. So you never know. I mean, it's, FBI has been hunting down a lot of these programs to see what's going on. And if you do see players that are ruled ineligible just a day or just a few hours before tip-off for some of these power conferences, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. So we'll see what happens with that. But either way, I mean, Arizona could suspend three of their best players, and I still think they'd they'd come away with a win against UNLV just because this team is so deep and so talented and UNLV has its fair share of, of kinks to, to work out before the season begins. So since their non-conference schedule's lighter than normal, do, is there any tournament expectations for this team? Like, could they pull off uh, – like, I could see them maybe beating Utah because Utah's not great this year. Probably maybe Illinois because it's at home. So – because the other teams, like Mississippi Valley State, Northern Colorado, Rice, Southern Utah, Prairie View A&M, not, not a lot of bad teams. It's gonna be, is it going to be where they just rack up wins and hope a tournament takes notice because it's UNLV, like the CIT or CBI maybe if they get to – because if you're fourth place or fifth place in Mountain West, you're probably about 500 overall, like probably, what, 16 and 16 or somewhere in that range? Yeah, it, I mean, it'll probably be a few wins higher than that, I would think. But – I, I mean, probably won't be on any tournament radar. I don't think anyone expends, expects them to be near the bubble this season. Just as long as they don't lose any games to teams that they shouldn't lose and just just take care of business against those lower-level teams and stay competitive against those solid teams. And the nice thing for UNLV is that 
even their neutral games or games that they are considered the away team, uh, most of them are being played on the strip. So they play games at T-Mobile Arena, and they also play uh, two games at MGM. So they leave the state, I believe, only twice. The Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge, they're at Northern Iowa, and then they're at Pacific um, in one of their last games of non-conference, so that's down in California. So they really only have one major road trip, which is which is nice for them. But that being said, it could make things a little bit difficult when they have to play back-to-back road games in, in league play. Yeah, definitely going on the road. So no tournament for them. I assume that's your ultimate answer, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just curious, just asking. If there's a team like – yeah, if they're, they're sure. going to be better than which, which most people think they are – like, what's a game in the schedule? Like, oh, they're going to upset Team A or Team B. Because they have – it's probably going to be a home game, I'm assuming. Can they upset San Diego State? Um, I don't know if – I don't they, – they might be able to if it's – I'm counting more on the later games in the season because I feel like they might take a month or two to really get into some sort of momentum and, and, and gelling together. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that – home game against Fresno State on February 21st. Um, I really don't think they'll win at Viejas. That's asking a lot. Maybe against Wyoming on February 10th. Okay. I think those are some games you could possibly count them to win. And and those are considered either equal or better rosters in Wyoming and um, Fresno State. But I feel like they match up fairly well against those two teams. So... I would I would probably look at those two. All right, just curious. I I think in later, I think maybe Fresno State could be a potential as well. One of those later. G- yeah, I, I would I would think so. And then we can also look at the Mountain West tournament because, as we know, oh. that's played in, right in the backyard. So yeah, they've got that the T and M. So I think as long as UNLV is maybe a top five, top six seed in the Mountain West tournament, they should have just as good a shot as anyone else, and especially if they can. Avoid Nevada if the Wolfpack are as good as we assume they will be. So, I mean, if, if they're lurking around and they're four or five seed entering March and they've got three or four games at home, uh, that, that's a pretty nice setup for the Rebels. So, what would you do if they get second place in the conference? If they okay, if they finish second, I would be I'd be surprised first of well, all. Yeah, of course. Um, yes, I. I feel like they'd be in some pretty good standing, though, because that means they wouldn't have to play the number one team until the championship game, assuming the number one team reaches the championship. So they'd be favored in at least their first two conference tournament games. So they would have just as good a shot as anyone down in that tournament, and I think that really plays into their hand because with a younger team, if they can lean on their home court, and I feel like the fans are going to be really passionate and Numbers will be better attendance-wise this year if they can use that to their advantage and pick up any sort of, of added points here and there in the tournament or at any sort of home games this year. I think that could make the Rebels a bit more dangerous than people think they will be. All right, is there any uh, any last notes when you talk about the Rebels here? Uh, I don't I don't think so. They've they've got a few more recruits coming in for 2018 and beyond, so that's. Another step forward. They already have two four stars for 2018, so uh, we won't see them for for over a year. But that's exciting. I think if you're a UNLV fan, maybe temper the expectations a little bit because please try. There's please. a lot that has to go. Over. Yeah, there's there's a lot, and there's a lot of people that covering UNLV. They're, they're doing a great job and are reasonable with this team. But 
to go from worst to first, whether you're in the MEAC or Pac-12 or ACC, it's a challenge. And I've gone through something like 350 conferences in, in the past history, and I think I found only three teams that ever went worst to first. So it doesn't happen often, and even though they add a really nice class, I don't expect that. But I think a reasonable expectation for UNLV is probably finishing in the top half of the conference, and that might be tough. I don't expect it to be easy, but I think that's probably where they're expected to finish. That makes sense. All right, so that's our show for tonight, talking UNLV hoops. So whenever you're listening to this, we appreciate it. Check us out, uh, mwr.com. That's our new and improved website. So click the links and poke around and see what's new there. You can find your UNLV page, basketball page, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Tell your friends. Uh, sh- shout it from the rooftop. Hey, listen to this. These guys know sort of what they're talking about. But <laughs> it's not mountainous <laughs> basketball. We Hopefully we do a good job for that. And with the season starting, we'll probably do something. Uh, non-conference is a bit unwieldy, but we'll probably do something about once a week, I'm thinking, about that range, perhaps. We'll maybe do – we'll figure it out because there's games like every day. And so doing a show where there's games the next day is not ideal, but we'll figure it out. You'll have consistent hoop shows. And that's all we got tonight. And as always, yeah, even UNLV, we're biased against your team. <laughs>